Chapter Three of The Orphan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Orphan, by Lawrence E. Mulford, Chapter Three, The Sheriff Finds the Orphan. The day dragged wearily along for the man in the chaparral, and when the sun showed that it was still two hours from the meridian, he leaped to his feet, rifle in hand, and peered intently into the west where he had seen a fast-riding horseman flit between two chaparrals which stood far down on the western end of the Cimarron Trail. Without pausing, he made his way out of cover and ran rapidly along the edge of the thicket until he had gained its northwestern extremity, where he plunged into it, unmindful of the cuts and slashes from the interlocked thorns. Using the rifle as a club, he hammered and pushed until he was screened from the view of anyone passing along the trail but where he could see all who approached. As he turned and faced the west, he saw the horseman suddenly emerge from the shelter of the last chaparral in his course, and ride straight for the intersection of the trails, his horse flattened to the earth by the speed it was making. Waiting until the rider was within fifty yards of him, he pushed his way out to the trail, the rifle leaping to his shoulder as he stepped into the open. The newcomer was looking back at half a dozen Apaches, who had burst into view by the chaparral he had just quitted, and when he turned he was stopped by a hail and the sight of an unwavering rifle held by the man on foot. "'A truce!' shouted the orphan from behind the sights, having an idea and wishing to share it. "'Hell yes!' cried the astonished sheriff in reply, slowing down and mechanically following the already running outlaw to the place where the latter had spent the last few hours. By keeping close to the edge of the chaparral, which receded from the trail, the orphan had not been seen by the Apaches, and as he turned into his hiding-place a yell reached his ears. His trophies on the boulder were not to be unmourned. As he wormed his way into the thicket, closely followed by the sheriff, he tersely explained the situation, and Shields, feeling somewhat under obligation to the man who had refrained from killing him, nodded and smiled in good nature. The sheriff thought it was a fine joke and enthusiastically slapped his enemy on the back to show his appreciation, for the time forgetting that they very probably would try to kill each other later on, after the Apaches had been taken care of. As they reached a point which gave them a clear view of the boulder, the orphan kicked his companion on the shin, pointing to the Apaches grouped around their dead. "'It's a little over three hundred, Sheriff,' he said. "'You shoot first, and I'll follow you, so they'll think you shot twice. There's no use letting them think there's two of us. That is, not yet.' "'Good idea,' replied the Sheriff, nodding and throwing his rifle to his shoulder. "'Right in for me.' he said, calling his shot, so as to be sure that the same brave would not receive all the attention. As he fired, his companion covered the second warrior, using one of his captured Winchesters, and a second later the rifle spun flame. Both warriors dropped, and the remaining four hastily postponed their mourning and tumbled helter-skelter behind the boulder, the sheriff's second shot becoming a part of the last one to find cover. Fine exulted the sheriff, delighted at the score. "'Best game I ever took a hand in. De blanked if it ain't. We'll have them guessing so hard that they'll get brain fever. Three shots in as many seconds will make them think that they are facing a Winchester in the hands of a crack shot. 
remarked the orphan, smiling with pleasure at the sheriff's appreciation. They'll think that if they can back off from the boulder and keep it between them and you, that they can get out of range in a few hundred yards more. That is where I come in again. You sling a little lead to let them know that you haven't moved a whole lot, but stop in a couple of minutes, while I go down the line a ways. The chaparral sweeps to the north quite a little, and mebby I can drop a slug behind their fort from down there. That'll make them think you're a jackrabbit at covering ground, and will bother them. If they rush, which they won't after tasting that kind of shooting, you whistle good and loud, and we'll make them plumb disgusted. I'll take a Winchester along with me, so they won't have any cause to suspect that you are an arsenal. So long." The sheriff glanced up as his companion departed, and was pleased at the outlaw's command of the situation. He had a good chance to wipe out the man, but that he would not do for the orphan trusted him, and Shields was one who respected a thing like that. The outlaw finally stopped about a hundred yards down the trail and looked out, using his glasses. A brown shoulder showed under the overhanging side of the boulder, and he smiled, readjusting the sights on the Winchester as he waited. Soon the shoulder raised from the ground and pushed out farther into sight. Then a pole of black hair showed itself and slowly raised. The orphan took deliberate aim and pulled the trigger. The head dropped to the sand and the shoulder heaved convulsively once or twice and then lay quiet. Leaping up, the marksman hastened back to the side of the sheriff, who did not trouble himself to look up. "'I got him, sheriff,' he said. "'Work up to the other end and I'll go back to where I came from. They have got all the fighting they have any use for, and will be backing away pretty soon now.' The range from the point where I held you is some closer than it is from here, so you ought to get in a shot when they get far enough back." "'All right,' pleasantly responded Shields, vigorously attacking the thorns as he began his journey to the western end of the thicket. "'Ouch!' he exclaimed as he felt the pricks. Then he stopped and slowly turned and saw the orphan smiling at him and grinned. "'Say,' he began, "'why can't I go around?' he asked, indicating with a sweep of his arm the southern edge of the chaparral, and intimating that it would be far more pleasant to skirt the thorns than to buck against them. "'These de blank thorns ain't no joke,' he added emphatically. The outlaw's smile enlarged, and he glanced quickly at the boulder to see that all was as it should be. "'You can go around in one day afoot,' he replied. "'By that time they,' pointing to the Apaches, We'll have made a day's journey on cayuses, and we simply mustn't let them get the best of us that way." Shields grinned and turned halfway around again. "'It's a whole lot dry out here,' he said, "'and my canteen is on my cayuse.' "'Here, partner,' replied the orphan, holding out his canteen and watching the effect of the familiarity. Seven swallows is the dose.' The sheriff faced him, took the vessel, counted seven swallows, and returned it. I'm some moist now," he remarked as he returned to the thorns. "'It's too de blank bad you're bad,' he grumbled. "'You'd make a blamed good cowpuncher.' The orphan, still smiling, placed his hands on hips and watched the rapidly disappearing arm of the law. "'He's all right. Too bad he'll make me shoot him,' he soliloquized, turning toward his post. As he crawled through a particularly bad matted bit of chaparral, he stopped to release himself and laughed outright. 
How in thunder did he get so far west? Matreya was as plain as day, too. When he had reached his destination and had settled down to watch the boulder, he laughed again and muttered, Maybe he figured it out I was doubling back and was laying for me to show up. And that's just the way I would have gone, too. He ain't no fool, all right. He thought of the sheriff at the far end of the chaparral and of the repeater he carried, and an inexplicable impulse of generosity surged over him. The sheriff would be pleased to do the rest himself, he thought, and the thought was father to the act. He picked up the Winchester he had brought with him and fired at the boulder, only wishing to let the Apaches know his position so that they would think the way clear to the northwest, and so innocently give the sheriff a shot at them as they retreated. Dropping the Winchester, he took up his sharps, his pet rifle, with which he had done wonderful shooting, and arose to one knee, supporting his left elbow on the other. Between the fingers of his left hand he held a cartridge in order that no time should be lost in reloading. The range was now five hundred yards, and when the orphan knew the exact range he swore with rage if he missed. His shot had the effect he hoped it would have, for suddenly there was movement behind the boulder. A pony's hip showed for an instant and then leaped from sight as the outlaw reloaded. A cloud of dust arose to the northwest of and behind the boulder, and a series of close reports sounded from the direction of the sheriff. The orphan leaped to his feet and dashed out on the plain to where his sight would not be obstructed, and saw an Apache, who hung down on the far side of his horse, sweep northward and gallop along the northern trail. He fired, but the range was too great, and the warrior soon dropped from sight over the range of hills. As the orphan made his way toward the boulder, the sheriff emerged from his shelter and pointed to the west. A pony lay on its side, and not far away was the huddled body of its rider. As they neared each other, the outlaw noticed something peculiar about the sheriff's ear, and his look of inquiry was rewarded. "'Stung,' remarked Shields, grinning apologetically. "'Just as I shot,' he added in explanation of the Apache's escape. "'Wonder what my wife'll say,' he mused, nursing the swelling. The orphan's eyes opened a trifle at the sheriff's last words, and he thought of the war-party he had sent north. His decision was immediate. No married man had any business to run risks, and he was glad that he refrained from shooting on sight. "'Sheriff, you vamoose. Clear out now, while you have the chance. Ride west for an hour, and then strike north for Ford Station. That buck that got away is due to run into twenty-seven of his friends and relatives, that I sent north to meet you. And they won't waste any time in getting back, neither." Shields felt of his ear and laughed softly. He had a sudden, strong liking for his humorous, clever enemy, for he recognized qualities which he had always held in high esteem. While he had waited in the chaparral for the Apaches to break cover, he had wondered if the Indians which the orphan had sent north had been sent for the purpose of meeting him, and now he had his answer. Instead of embittering him against his companion, it increased his respect for that individual strategy, and he felt only admiration. "'I saw your reception committee in time to duck,' the sheriff said, laughing. "'If they kept on going as they were when I saw them, they must have crossed my trail about three hours later. When they hit that, it is a safe bet that at least some of them took it up. 
So if it's all the same to you, I'll leave both the North and the West alone and take another route home. I have shot up all the war-hoops I care about, so I am well satisfied." He suddenly reached down toward his belt and then looked squarely into the orphan's gun, which rested easily on that person's hip. His hand kept on, however, but more slowly, and with but two fingers extended, and disappeared into his chap's pocket, from which it slowly and gingerly brought forth a package of tobacco and some rice-paper. The orphan looked embarrassed for a second, and then laughed softly. "'You're a square man, Sheriff, but I wasn't sure,' he said in apology. "'So long.' "'That's all right,' cried the Sheriff heartily. I was a big fool to make a play like that." The orphan smiled and turned squarely around and walked away in the direction of his horse. Shields stared at his back and then rolled a cigarette and grinned. "'By George!' he ejaculated, at the confidence displayed by his companion, and he slowly followed. After they had mounted in silence, the sheriff suddenly turned and looked his companion squarely in the eyes and received a steady, frank look in return. "'What the devil made you ventilate them sheep-herders that way?' he asked, and go and drive all them sheep over the bank." The orphan frowned momentarily, but answered without reserve. "'Those sheep-herders reckoned they get a reputation,' he answered. "'And they would have gotten it, too, only I beat them on the draw. As for the idiotic muttons, they went plumb loco at the shooting and pushed each other over the bank. To hell with the herders! They only got what they was trying to hand me. But I'm a whole lot sorry about the sheep, although I can't say I'm dead stuck on range-killers of any kind." The sheriff reflectively eyed his companion's gun, and remembered its celerity into getting into action, which persuaded him that the orphan was telling the truth, and swept aside the last chance for fair warfare between the two for the day. "'Yes, it is too bad. All them innocent sheep drown that way he slowly replied. But they are sure awful skittish at times. Well, do we part? he asked, suddenly holding out his hand. I reckon we do, Sheriff, and I'm blamed glad to have met you, replied the outlaw as he shook hands with no uncertain grip. Keep away from them Apaches, and so long. Thanks, I will, responded the arm of the law. And I'm glad to have met you, too. So long. End of chapter 3